That's awesome. You got to excuse Alan. He gets really excited, and that's... Um, we love Alan, and that is so good. Well, we are so glad you are here. Welcome to the Bridge Church. My name is Daniel Kaznave. I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church, and uh, it's just been amazing. I, I told in our team rally, I'm trying to find new words other than incredible, and I'm humbled and thankful for what God continues to do. Uh, but what I would like to say, just to celebrate a couple quick things with you guys. As you notice, when you walked into the room, we have all new chairs, right? Um, they are... Our setup team, were, they were so thankful. Uh, a lot, you can carry five of these at a time. And so um, they're still very comfortable. And so, but what I want to celebrate is, as you, our church, uh, were able to fund these chairs in three weeks. In three weeks. So $3,500. Thank you guys so much for doing that. Um, our extended family, all of that is, is just pretty incredible to see what God has done. And so uh, today we have a special guest speaker. Um, his name is Greg Toller. He's from Crossroads Church, and Crossroads Church is our sending church. You saw in the video. Um, and what I love about our partnership is it's ongoing. And uh, not only when you think about the Bridge Church and uh, the vision for the Bridge Church really was birthed out of Greg and Angela's heart, because 30 years ago, they not only believed about planting crossroads outside of the Atlanta area, but they also had a heart to send people out and to plant more churches all over the U.S., all over the world. And so we're a product of even their vision uh, 30 plus years ago. And so we're just so thankful for your faithfulness and uh, what you have done and how you invested in me and invested in our church over the years. And um, and so it's amazing to have them here as well. And so I would love for you guys, if you could, please just give a huge Bridge Church welcome to Pastor Greg Toller from Crossroads. Go dogs, amen. All right, so uh, I'm going to do a selfie here. You guys raise your hands and uh, praise God real quick on the count of three. One, two, three. Hi, make some noise. It is, it is. Yeah. All right. You know, uh, I am so glad to be here uh, and proud of Daniel because he's had everything stacked against him, as you know, with getting some momentum and all of a sudden COVID hits and we all know what that means, the byproduct of that and just uh, weathering through that like of a lot of churches that haven't been able to. And so that's just a testimony of y'all's uh, endurance and your desire, desire to see God uh, glorified. So I am just happy that to be here. I mean, we're, we're about planting churches at Crossroads and we've, we've done a lot of that, but it's always good to come out and see face-to-face the people that God is changing and making a difference with. And I got to admit that, you know, I was a little concerned about Daniel as we were preparing him, because, you know, he was our student pastor for uh, quite a few years, and he wanted to start the Bridge Church about three years before I really wanted to let him go, because I was like, I don't think you're ready yet. I don't think you yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I just, it was like holding a, holding a tiger back, because he's just so amped up and ready to go. And uh, I think the thing that worried about me is they had this youth event uh, one time, and it was... Uh, bunch of kids there and Daniel had this great idea we're going to have a bonfire outside uh, in the parking lot and so he goes out there and he builds this bonfire and and all of a sudden uh, the parking lot is on fire (laughs) he didn't realize you couldn't build a fire on top of asphalt because that tar in the asphalt just becomes part of the fire so we still have a memory of Daniel out in the middle of our parking lot every time I park coming to work I said yep there's where Daniel was right there so he's not afraid to think out of the box, just so that you know that, all right? But when I think of what God is doing here, sometimes we come to a place and we, we think this is the church. But I want you to realize something, that you're the church. When you leave this place, you're the church. When you're at work, you're the church. And so I really feel like that we come to places like this so that we can get energized and pumped up to go out and be the church. But in order to be the church, in order for this thing to continue to grow, God wants to do something in us, the church. And what he wants to do is he really wants us to make a difference. But in order for us to make a difference, we got to decide to be different. And I want to talk to you just a few minutes this morning about what it takes to be different enough to make a difference. Because it really is about what God's doing in us. What he's doing in us, he wants to transfer into this world. And so you don't have to make anything up to have a great church. All God wants to do is do something in you. So you can just be real and alive and active. But here's the great thing is, 
When he changes you, he changes your marriage. He changes your friendships. He changes your relationships. He actually gives you the joy that you're looking for in your life. And so, if I were trying to sum this up, how do we really make a difference by being different? I think there's some key ideas in Scripture, and I can't give you all of them. I'm just going to give you three main ones this morning. I think they revolutionize our lives. The first is, is learn from the past. Don't live in it. Listen to what God's Word tells us regarding this truth from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And so that's sort of the first idea is, is realize that no matter where you are, you haven't arrived yet, okay? Don't think that you're better than you really are. Just, just realize that, you know what, I've got issues, you've got issues, everybody I'm talking to has issues. So how do we move along in this life with our issues so that God does something? He continues, though. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You see, when we live our lives, so often we try to live our lives holding on to our past. And everybody in this room knows that you've made mistakes. Everybody in this room says, you know what, I wish I had a big eraser where I could erase a few things in my past so that I could move on. Well, God really, what he wants to do this morning, he wants to give you permission to go ahead and erase it. Because when Jesus Christ came into the world, he came into the world to save us from our sin, the sins of the past, the present, and the future. And so when he does that, he gives us the supernatural ability to release our past. Because here's why it has to happen. If we don't release our past, then our past will determine our future. You see, we learn from it, but we don't live in it. We learn from our mistakes, but we don't keep dragging our mistakes. If I look back at my life, I can think of a lot of mistakes that I have. A lot of things I wish I could erase. And God has taught me that, Greg, they're already erased, so why don't you erase them? And so as you and I begin to think, how, do I, how does a broken person make a difference in their community? How does a broken person influence those people around me? It's to be honest with your brokenness, but don't live in it. To release it and, and move on. You see, there's this little word that sometimes we live in, and it's called regret. And when you understand that word, the word actually has a, a French origin. And the first part of it, re, means to do again and again. Or once more. The last part, the, the greeter part of it, greeter is how they pronounce it, is to weep and mourn. And so when we live in our past, what we do is we live in regret. So we live it over again and again and again. We live our mourning over. We live our sorrow over again and again and again. And here's what I think. I think we're all trying to break through from that. I think God's trying to release us from it because if you and I are going to look in the next five years, even as a church, and say, how am I going to make a difference? God said, I just want to make a difference in you. I want to release you from some things. I want to release you from things. And so, God, how do you do that? The apostle tells us, he says, forgetting the past. What does it mean to forget? Well, as you get older, you understand what that word means, right? You go into the room and you're like, what did I come here for, right? You already forgot. I really feel like there's some things in our life we need to walk into the room and say, that no longer has a hold on me anymore. I forgot. I forgot that argument. I forgot that thing my parent did to me. I forgot that business deal. I forgot that hardship with that child. I forgot it. Now, I've learned from it, but I'm not living in it. And so... I think what would be helpful for us is maybe, maybe just maybe God's putting some things on your mind that maybe today you need to go back and make a list. It's called the forget me list. These are the things I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget what you said. I'm going to forget what you did. And the reason I'm going to forget is because I can forgive you. And you make that list and then you take that list and you give it to God and say, God, this is no longer my list to live by. This is my list to move on from. And what happens in your life and what happens in the life of the people around you is it makes them different because God made you different. It makes you be able to find freedom that God wants you to have. And if we're going to make a difference, then we got to realize, you know what? I'm not perfect, but I don't have to live from my past. I can live 
for the future. That's what he says. He says, I, I reach forward to what lies ahead. I'm straining to grab what's in front of me, not holding on what's from behind me. And as I do that, it has this transformational effect where God allows us to live in the freedom that Christ came to save us from for so that we can experience this abundant life, this new life that God wants us to experience. You see, I really believe that so many believers are not fully experiencing what Jesus saved us for. We, we, we still walk in the guilt. We still walk in the, I wish I would have. We still walk in, oh, I wish that wouldn't have happened. And you know what? There are always going to be those things. But what would happen today if you just decided, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm giving it to you. Now listen, if you've never experienced the love of Jesus before, if you've never experienced what we call salvation before, then what I'm telling you is really foreign to you. You can't fully step into this without Jesus. You can't fully let go without actually receiving His forgiveness first. And so if you've ever wondered why I should become a Christ follower, this is one of the main reasons why. Because God wants to break you free from your past so that you can build a life now and live your best life now. So it's changing my efforts. I mean, just think of the bandwidth you'd have to think about the future if you didn't spend so much time thinking about the past. So that's just the first aspect of how you and I begin to make a difference because we become different. But there's another aspect. You see, once we change through our forget list, once we change, then God wants to change how we see others. You see, if we're so focused on ourselves, then we just simply use others to get to where we want to be. And we sort of use them as a stepping stone. But what God really wants us to do is to begin to look at others differently because He's changed who we are. And listen to what He tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. He says, So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. See, as, as a pastor of over 30 years, one thing that I learned early on is, is if we don't see people differently, then we won't care about what they're dealing with. If you turn on the news any time during the day, what you and I see is we see a, a, a media that is trying to divide the country. They're trying to make it a black and white thing. They're trying to make it a rich and poor thing. And so they're, they're dividing. They're not trying to bring us together. You see, the, the Bible brings us together. And what they do is they use exactly what he's telling us about. He says, listen, we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We've got to look beyond what we see with people. And sometimes we watch the news and we don't realize, though, that maybe we're part of the problem of what we're hearing. We wouldn't call ourselves a racist or we wouldn't call ourselves, you know, one of these people that tries to divide people because of economics or social status. But what we do is we look at people a little bit differently and maybe we're, we're sort of afraid of them because of the color of their skin. We're afraid because we're in a certain area of the community or we're going into a certain area that, that might be uh, uh, crime-ridden. I, I see it all the time. I, I see churches transform because when the community begins to change, people begin to leave because they're afraid. And what God is saying, listen, in order for us to be effective in what we do, then we can't look at people from a human point of view. we got to look at people without the labels. We don't look at people and say, oh, there's a druggie. We don't look at people and say, oh, there's a black person or a white person. We don't look at people and say, there's a Hispanic person. We don't look at people and say, there's a poor person. We look at people from a different point of view. Oh, there's a lost person. There's a hurting person. There's a marriage that's in crisis. And you know what? I'm not any better than them. So that allows me to help them where they are. That's what makes a great church. But that's what makes great people because we are the church. And so when we think of what we see, God wants to change our view of what we see and not just 
looking at people from what everybody else is telling them, but looking at them from a different point of view of what God is saying about them. Or otherwise, we'll lose sight of what God wants to do. And here's the thing is, when we see people for just their faults, then we'll forget to give them Jesus. But if we can remember what we were like, then we can remember why somebody talked to us. If we can remember what we're like before we knew Christ, I mean, if I went back down memory lane, I remember a guy that was loved to party, couldn't wait for the weekend to go out and drink, loved to do different kinds of drugs. And if I was honest with you, my life was messed up. And I didn't realize I was doing all those things because I was trying to escape reality because I didn't really like the life that I had. And Jesus took his time to pursue me. Just the same way he's pursuing you right now. Jesus took that time. He didn't look at me and say, oh, Greg, you know, you're a drunkard, you're a druggie, you're a, you know, he would have had all the labels that he could have put on. But Jesus wasn't about labels. Jesus was about rescuing somebody that was lost. You see, he couldn't expect me to be better because I didn't know how to get better. And sometimes I think we get out of the community and we get around people and we look at them and we look down on them because we think they should be better, but they don't know how to get better until we tell them about Jesus. And so as God begins to transform the way I see things, it transforms the people around me. I've been on a sabbatical since December. It was off. About five and a half months I took off. I was just like, God, I can't do this. It's been 30 years I've been in ministry. And so while I was doing it, I was doing this little house renovation. It wasn't really little, but it was a house renovation. Because that's therapeutic to me. And what I found out is that I didn't have to be at the church to do ministry. Ministry was everywhere around me. And so one day I was uh, waiting for the cable guy to come to put cable into our house. And uh, they said, yeah, you, you know, the call said, he's going to be there between 1 and 7. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of appointment is that, Right. I mean, I call the doctor and say, hey, I'm going to be there between uh, 12 a.m. and uh, 5 p.m., right? They're not going to say, just come on in. So I'm sitting there waiting. Well, guess what? This guy pulls up. It's already dark outside. It is 6.30. There's no cable running from the telephone pole to the house. So he gets out and pulls his ladder. And I was like, you going to do this in the dark? He said, I do it all the time. I'm thinking, you're crazy. There's actually electricity up there. Where you going, right? You realize that. He don't care. He puts the ladder up there, and he starts running the cable across the yard. And I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have to get some lights. So I put some lights there because I didn't want him to get electrocuted in my own yard, right? And so I'm sort of helping him as much as I can. And uh, as, as he's going, I'm talking to him. And while he's putting it in, all of a sudden, these people are out on the sidewalk, and they're calling, hey, hey, you know. And I look out there, and they say, hey, can we ask you a question? And so... I go out there to the sidewalk. It's probably about 8, 30, 9 o'clock now. And there's this couple out there, and they're saying, hey, we, uh, we were going to this church to meet somebody because they were going to help us. Uh, my wife's pregnant. Um, I got blood sugar issues, and we don't have anywhere to stay. And I said, well, you can come and sit on my front porch because I'm trying to rescue this cable guy so he doesn't kill himself. Uh, and then I'll talk to you. So they sat on the front porch. They I actually came in and I used our restroom. And when it was all over, with the cable guy, the guy would say, all right, now it's time to talk to them. So I was able to go out there, these people, I have no idea who they are, put them in my car, take them to a hotel. But guess what we talked about on the way to the hotel? How to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Went and put them up in a hotel for a couple of nights. And before I left, the guy looked at me. He said, hey, why weren't you afraid of us? You don't know who we are. We could have been out here to do harm to you. But you walked out there to the sidewalk like there was nothing wrong. Nothing could hurt you. I said, well, I'm just here to do what God wants me to do. And so I feel like God's going to take care of me if I'm always doing what he wants me to do. And the guy was just blown away that somebody would come and have a conversation 
with this guy and his wife that are just about homeless. They take time out of their day. And what God showed me is so often as people of God, we look at people and we walk by them when what we walked by was God's opportunity for me to do something in their life. So I want you to think about how you see people. Because we were always those people at some point. And God's saying, listen, I want you to stop evaluating others. And, he's, and he tells us why. He said, because anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person and his old life is gone. You see, God wants us to evaluate people because what God did in us, he can do in them. He can take a drug addict and change them. He can take a person who's, who's a terrible husband or a terrible wife and he can change them. He can take that son or that daughter that's going down the wrong path and he can change them. And so our faith has not to be in the person that God needs to change. Our faith is in the person who changes that person. And so when that begins to happen, you won't be able to keep people out of this building. They'll be rushing in here to get the good news that they're looking for. Why? That Jesus Christ is still in the changing business. And so what I'd like for God to do in us is that when we leave, look at people, that he would change our perspective. And you would say, you know what? I can't wait to see how God changes them. I can't wait to see how God restores that relationship. I can't wait. Rather than looking at that person and saying, you know what? I don't have time. Why? Because we're the church. The last aspect that I think really allows us to make a difference. Daniel didn't really tell me how long I have. So, uh, you know, we, we have a little clock up that's like ticking, you know, and it turns red when I was supposed to have stopped. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I just, that's a suggestion to me, okay? Uh, but I don't, I don't even have that now. Uh, so, uh, Jacob, if you just start waving your hand or something when, uh, when it's time for you to sing again. Three, okay. <laughs> but our last thing that uh, I think is I look back over my life and the life and journey God's had us on. That's really life transforming. And just a little bit about that life. When I see y'all's church and I see what you're doing, it reminds me of Crossroads years ago. See, we weren't satisfied with just being in the community. We wanted to be around the world. And it's so, such a blessing to see uh, Amanda and to see Daniel and other folks uh, from here that are going on mission trips, going to Honduras and getting, getting your hands dirty, you know, and, and going over there like with Pastor Freddie. And so Crossroads, uh, Douglasville has been doing that for, uh, I think we, we started our first church, though, a year or two uh, when we had started. And we started a church in, uh, uh, Hispanic church in our community. And then year three, we started planting churches in Honduras. And so... Just to show you, over time, if you remain faithful to making a difference, what God can do. I think this year we reached 525 churches and partnerships around the world just from Crossroads Church. And so it's nothing to pat us on the back. It's to say, yay, God, look at what you can do. But I tell you that to say, don't just look at what's in front of you. Look at what's ahead of you. Because God wants to do something bigger than just this. But in order to get to that bigger this, it's got to be a bigger us because we're the ones that mobilize what God is initiating. But how do you let your life be bigger than this world? Listen to what God tells us. He says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, what God is trying to help us understand, he says, listen, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If you are a Christ follower, you receive Jesus as your Savior, then he's telling you right now that your life is hidden in him. What does he mean by that? What he's trying to get you and I to understand is stop looking at you so much so you can see others. Stop making your life all about your problems, all about your difficulty, so you can see others. And why does he tell us that? Because he's saying, your life is hidden in God. It's a past thing that happened at your salvation with a present reality that you've been hidden. Why is that so important? This is the reason. If you and I simply live with our lives, excuse me, with our eyes on ourselves, we'll forget that there's a world out there that needs Jesus. Everybody in this room, 
We could go around and tell her, what, hey, we, we got, this is one problem I have right now. Everybody in this room, could, I could tell you. I could probably tell you more than one. The question is, is what do you focus on all the time? The question is, how much attention does that have of yours? I bet everybody in here has some kind of marriage issue. It's not, not us. Well, if we talk to you long enough, you've got a marriage issue. If you don't, you probably haven't talked to your spouse about it yet, right? I bet everybody in here has kids. You're like, are they going to make it? Am I going to let them make it? You know, you're, you're going through, everybody in here, at some point, you got this issue with your job. You got this issue with uh, a neighbor. Everybody, if you're in school, listen, you're in this, this place right now. If you're in middle school, you're not really sure what in the world's going on in your life, right? And you're not sure who's your friend, who's not your friend. And when you get in high school, you've, you, know, you, you have these little cliques going on, and that's your thing. There's all kinds of things that are going on in our life right now. But what God wants us to understand is don't spend all your time focused on your problem, because if you do, you'll become your problem. Instead, instead, realize God hid my life so I could live his life. God has hidden my life in him. And, and he wants us to understand how that happened. He says, so what I do is I set my heart and I set my mind on things above. In other words, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, that's where my focus is. My focus is on Jesus. Now, now let me tell you something. If you want to focus on Jesus, I'm not telling you to go out and buy a picture of Jesus and put it on the wall in your house. What I am telling you, what the Bible tells us is, if you want to focus on Jesus, it's the same way it works when you're dating somebody. You say, what does he mean, Greg? How many of you can remember back, uh, maybe you're with your spouse or the person you're dating. If you're dating, it's really fresh right now, right? But when you first started dating them, what did you think about all the time? Them. When can I call them? When can I see them? When can I go out? And you're just like, you know, you know their pattern. You're thinking, all right, they're on the way to work. I'm going to sort of drive by their work right now when they're getting out of their car. You know, maybe I hit the timing just right. Or, you know, if you're in school and you're, you're dating, you know, when they get out of class and you just, oh, just happen to be here. <laughs> Fancy running into you today, right? We just sort of, we sort of maneuver things to make it happen, right? I remember when Angela and I were in Bible college dating, I knew when she'd get out of class and I'd be sort of sitting out somewhere knowing that she was going to walk by. You know, you're like, you're like a, a, um, a wanted stalker, right? You're stalking, but they want you to stalk them, right? And so when it comes to this, uh, this relationship with God, when we're, we're, we're changing our focus so that we're, we're setting our heart and our mind on Christ, it never happens. Never happens. Never happens. Apart from the Word of God. The Bible tells us about Jesus and the Holy Spirit illuminates the story to change our hearts. Listen, if you're here, you're either trying to discover what your life's about or you already know Jesus and you're trying to grow in that relationship. Growing in that relationship is what it means to set your mind and your heart on things above. The more you're in the Word, the more the Word is in you. And the more the Word is in you, the more the Word that would change you. And the more it changes you, the more it changes the people around you just by default. So if you're not happy where you are, let me give you a challenge. Every day, open the Bible up. You know, they got this amazing thing on your phone right now, right? I hardly ever read the Bible from there because my eyes are not as good as they used to be. But like this morning, I'm getting ready, shaving. So I just hit my Bible app and it just starts reading it to me. Because I'm just soaking it in, soaking it in. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Because I know what it does for my life. I know what it does for my relationships. I know what it does for my focus. And so he's saying, listen, whatever it takes, start some habits. Start some habits that allow you to focus on God. You know, one of the things that is helpful is when we, we have this time with other people. But let me tell you something that's really helpful. It's happening next week, I think, here at the Bridge Church. They're starting and launching their small group ministry for this year. New groups are going to start. I think some of you are probably uh, like us. You just keep going on and on. Uh, but our group, since I was going on sabbatical, we're actually getting ready to launch. we got a couple of our group members right here. Uh, they're not here because of me. Uh, I don't know why they're here, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they're here because they're friends of Daniel and uh, Amanda and the church. 
But one of the things I noticed is, is that we grow better together. We do. We grow better when we can share our junk with other people. Now listen, when you get in a group, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to find out there are some weird people in this group I'm in. How did I get in here with all the weird people? And then, you know what? They're going to leave thinking the same thing about you. And what you realize is that we found home because we're all weird. Nobody's admitting it, but let's just keep it on the low, okay? And act like we're normal because as we get to know each other more, we're going to find out we're not so normal after all. Or maybe you are. So I want to challenge you. Do something that gets your focus on eternity. That gets your heart and your mind. What is that? Do life with other people who are trying to pursue Jesus the same way you want to. Because everybody has their ups and downs. So you can come and float in this church and you can float back out. But if you want to stick, if you want to stick in your relationship with God, walk with other people who are pursuing the same thing. It will change your life. Some of the most formative times I had are being in groups. I actually had a group of college students two summers ago. And I asked them, say, what y'all doing for summer? We don't know. I said, all right, well, we're going to have a Bible study on the Holy Spirit meeting in my office uh, on this night every week. So there are like four of these guys, and we were meeting in my office, and we were going through this study on the Holy Spirit, and we were praying with each other, and we were learning how to pray differently. We were learning this whole thing. I still have one of the guys, about, about three weeks ago, he called me and said, hey, Pastor Greg, can I come by? I'm coming in from college. I just want to stop by and talk to you. I mean, you know, I'm getting older. I'm not like the cool guy anymore, right? And this college guy wanted to come and hang out with me. So he comes by. He says, I don't have any agenda. I just want to talk to you. But before he got out of my house, the Holy Spirit had just fallen on that place. Two days later, he texts me. He said, man, what you talked about and what we talked about has changed my life again. And I've seen myself being more outward focused. I'm praying for people to be healed. I'm praying. And God is just working through me. Why? Because I've changed my focus. On heavenly things. Just from that little group meeting. You can be involved in that. And then the other thing is, listen. What God is telling us to do is live a life where you're constantly allowing your focus to shift towards heaven. Now, I'm not talking about going around where I see people do this. And I think it's fabricated a lot of times. How you doing? Blessed. By the best. You know. How you doing? But better than I expected. You know, I mean, just, just, just be normal. You look like somewhat normal people. I know it's a far-fetched, you know, I'm, I'm assuming a lot here. And you're probably thinking the same about me, but you guys look somewhat normal. You know, just, just be yourself. I mean, the Christian life is not trying to act like something you're not. The Christian life, the life that God wants us to do, to live that changes other people, it's just letting the Holy Spirit be used in who you are. Why? Because here's what God does. God wants to utilize something in you and I. He wants us to take our temporary experience and make an eternal decision with it. He wants us to take our temporary minds and make an eternal impact with it. How do we do that? Listen to what he tells us in this Last verse we're going to read together. Actually, there's one more. It's a small one. But he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are your treasures? It could be a lot of things. It could be your money. That's usually what you hear it talk about. But you know what? I think one of our biggest treasures is our time. Because it's limited, right? You only get so much of it. And the reality is, is you don't know how big your cut is. You just know you have some time. And so when we think about laying our treasures and using our treasures, what God is simply doing is saying, use it in a way that makes a difference in eternity. If you're going to heaven, send it ahead. 
I, I, I've been in this community a couple of days and living, walking, you know, sort of driving around, walking around, and you know, you see these nice Mercedes and you see these uh, all these nice cars and, and nice. You know, we went down this one area where the, these huge houses are. You know, and I'm thinking oh, that's probably three million dollars. You know, and you know what? I am happy for those folks, but I'm not happy for them if that's the only place their treasure is because they missed it. Because it'll never satisfy them and never make them feel whole again. And why? Because they're, they're not using their treasure to do something. And so what God has done when he says, listen, I want you to lay your treasure up. He's saying, I've given you some temporary things to make an investment in eternity. I've given you some temporary things. Time is temporary for us. So use it to invest in ter- eternity. Your resources are temporary. So use it to invest in eternity. So take those temporary things that I've given you so that you can make a permanent difference in eternity. As a matter of fact, these bodies we have are temporary. Anybody over 50 going towards 60 knows it, right? You get out of bed and you're like, oh, I know I'm still alive because I'm hurting, right? And you start moving around, you know, and then you realize that this is not going to last forever, you know, and, and you go to the doctor and they're trying to medicate you for the next 30 years so they can get you a little further down the road, right? Because it's temporary. Here's what God did. When you and I become believers, he took this temporary body and he placed in it something eternal called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you so that you and I can utilize what is temporary to make a difference in the eternal. And without the Holy Spirit, we don't have that capacity. And so the Holy Spirit has done something that you may not realize. The Holy Spirit gave you gifts to use to invest in eternity. What are these gifts? He says it's prophecy. He says it's serving. He says it's giving. He says all these different things. And, and all these gifts of service that we have and all these gifts of, of, of being an evangelist, being a pastor or a teacher, all those things are gifts that the Holy Spirit has put in us to make a difference in eternity. And so the way that I set my focus and my eyes on heaven is to use the gifts that God has given me to influence the temporary. When I've walked up here, I saw all the tents, and then as you walked up, you saw people out there greeting you, and there's refreshments out there. They didn't just show up. Somebody put them there, right? And I see a lot of people moving around, and you're doing all these things. And you know why you're doing them? Because God gave you that gift. There's nothing more fulfilling than using your gift. I have a gift of being a communicator, but I also have a gift of, of, of looking to the future. But wherever it is, wherever I am, that gift is always available. As I was working on this uh, house that Angela and I actually live in now, um, there were so many opportunities to just simply be available to what God's doing. Because He's always working. Everywhere you are, He's working. Whether we see it or not, it's up to us. The Holy Spirit will let us know that it's working. And so I could tell you a bunch of stories, but this is one of my favorite ones. Um, as I was working on the house, this lady pulls in the driveway. There's no sheetrock on the walls inside or anything. It's just, just framed up. It was an old house that we were renovating, built in 1926. And so we were taking most of it out because the further we got in, the further we realized it, was, it wasn't in very good shape. So anyway, she came, and her son was with her. I think he was 13 or 14. And I said, well, y'all can come in and look if you want to, because I think they were doing a little renovation. So they come in the house, and they're walking around and asking questions and asking me what different things are. And I found out just from a conversation, because, you know, all those conversations will naturally lead towards Jesus if you'll let them. If you're, not, if you're not afraid, okay? Fear is not God. Fear is the enemy, right? So if you feel fear, that means you need to talk, because the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to rise above that. And so... As talking to her, I found out that she went to the church right across the, the railroad tracks from where our house is. And she, uh, I think she already knew me because she had visited our church one time. So she sort of had an inside track on me that she didn't tell me, okay? Uh, so, you know, thank, whew, good thing I wasn't cussing right. Well, I don't do that anyway, so I don't have to worry about that. So as she was leaving, though, she said, hey, will you pray for my son? I said, yeah, what's wrong? He said, well, he has scoliosis, and he has something wrong with his jaws that causes him a lot of pain to eat, and, and they don't move correctly. And I said, yeah, I'll pray. I said, but I want to ask you a couple of questions first. I looked at the son. 
I said, you believe Jesus can heal you? He said, yeah, I believe Jesus can heal me. He's grown up in church. He's heard all this language. And then I asked him a second question. I said, do you believe Jesus will heal you? Different question, right? Can and will. The will means I've got to step in and believe something now. He said, yes, I believe Jesus will heal me. I said, all right. Well, based on your faith and my faith, I'm going to pray for God to heal you. Now, if you didn't grow up around this kind of stuff, just read the Bible. This is still real stuff. It didn't, Jesus didn't end healing when he went to heaven, okay? So I laid my hands on him. His mom laid his hand, her hands on him. We prayed for him. And we got done. This is something I do. And sometimes it's a little freaky to people. But I said, all right, now that we prayed, I want you to stop asking God to heal you and start thanking him for healing you. Do you see the transfer there? One is a belief I think you will, and one is the belief I know you did. It doesn't matter what your body tells you. Your faith is bigger than your body. So if you still hurt, don't claim the hurt. Claim the healing. How do I know this works? Because it worked on me. God healed my throats. The doctor said, it's either a polyp or it's cancer. We don't know which one, but we need to take it out. I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I think God wants to do something. Three months later, I went back. They said it was impossible for it to be gone. I went back. It was gone completely. Amen? So, the guy said, okay. About a month ago, this was probably three, three and a half months ago. About a month ago, I'm going in the grocery store. And here's my, his mom and him are coming out. I haven't seen them since. And I saw him. I said, hey, how are y'all doing? So we start talking. And, you know, it's sort of small talk because I don't really know them that well. And uh, I, I saw a pause moment because the mom, she really likes to talk. She's got the gift of talking. Uh, this guy to be in the Bible somewhere, right? Because uh, so many people have it. And so when I got this, when she was taking a breath, I was able to say, so how are you doing talking to the son? And he started to speak, but mom got in too quick, you know. And so mom starts she's talking again. Well, we went to the specialist, and the specialist checked him out and did all this stuff on the scoliosis, and he came back out, and he looked at us, and he said, your son doesn't have scoliosis. He should have said, your son doesn't have scoliosis anymore. He said, was he already healed? First doctor said he had it. Second doctor said, we don't see anything. I said, Ann, he knew I was asking about his jaws. Oh, they checked his jaws out and said, there's nothing wrong with your jaws. You just need some physical therapy to get them loosened up. So, me just being the crazy person I am, I said, we're going to fix that right now. <laughs> so right there in the doorway of Publix grocery store, I lay my hands on his jaws. I said, we're going to pray together. So I pray over his jaws. Why? Because if God can heal scoliosis, it ain't no big deal for to heal a jaw, right? <laughs> I mean, we're just like talking minor. This is minor league stuff. It's like a bunt, right? The other is like a triple kind of thing. And why do I tell you that? Because God wants you to be in that story. He wants you to have those stories that give glory to him. You see, it wasn't my prayer. It was the power of God stepping into the moment, saying, because you believe, you're going to see. You're going to see it's going to become real to you. And here's the thing is, when you live that kind of life, you're not worried about all your own aches and pains. You're not worried about all your own problems. You're looking for the opportunities that God has so that you can cast your eyes towards heaven and see him do something supernatural because you're saying, God, I believe with all my heart that it's more important for me to put my treasures in heaven than try to stow them away in a locker somewhere here on earth. Can I tell you that that's the life you're really looking for? That's the joy that you really want in your life? Whether you realize it or not at this moment, how do I know that? Let me tell you something that you may never heard before. Every person in this room, every person not in this room, every person breathing air now and who has breathed air in history has one thing in common that they may not realize. That when God created all of us, He created us with this common thing that you may not realize, but it drives your life. See, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that when he created us, he planted eternity in our hearts. 
When God created me and you, He put something in your heart that never goes away. He, do you know why people don't want to die? Because eternity is planted in their heart. You know why we're sad when people die? Because we think they should have lived forever. Why do we think that? Who made that up? God put it in your heart. That's why we're so sad when we lose people. It's not just because we love them. It's because something is wrong with the picture. And because of that, because of that thing in our heart, there are things on this earth that will never satisfy. You can have all the money in the world and you won't be satisfied if you haven't had this thing called eternity answered in your heart. You can have all the resources. You can have the best-looking girlfriend or the best-looking boyfriend. You can have the yacht. You can, you can have anything. You name it. But it will not satisfy what God planted in your hearts. Only Jesus will. Amen. But here's the other thing. Only serving Jesus will satisfy the yearning of your heart. You see, some of us in this room right now, you're looking for the next thing. I want you to understand Jesus is the next thing. And he's the thing after that, and the thing after that, and the thing after that. If you want to truly find satisfaction in any relationship, it's Jesus. If you want to truly find satisfaction in any investment, it's Jesus. You might not believe me. I'm just simply telling you what's in your heart that you might not realize. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that we could have what kind of life? Eternal life. Why? Because that is what God planted in our heart. And that's the point of satisfaction where you realize, I have arrived at what God created me for. Sin entered the world and messed that up. Jesus came to straighten it back out. And so when we walk in that and we live in that, then I am living the life that makes a difference because I've been made different. So where are you at today? Are you ready to start a habit that makes a difference in eternity? Real clear. Next week, join a group here at the Bridge Church. If you're not already one, join one. You say, I'm, I'm afraid. God's not the author of fear. He's a cure for it. Amen. Step through your fear. Second thing is, if you're here at Bridge Church and you're a spectator, not a participator, you're participating. And listen, I am so glad you're here, regardless of what you're doing. But step outside of your comfort zone. Even if you don't belong here yet as part of the family, go ahead and say, hey, I want to serve in some capacity. I'm sure that Daniel's not going to say, no, nah, you, you're not a, part, a member here. You can't serve. He will probably jerk your arm off and put you somewhere because he's trying to get you there so quickly. He realizes how important it is for you to invest your life in eternal things. But the other thing is, before you do any of that, start with you. What is the list of things from your past that you need to forget? What is that thing when you see that person that sort of rises up in you? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it hurt? Write those things down for your sake so that you can give them to God so that you can be released from your past so you can live in the present and the future. I promise you, it'll change who you are. And that allows you to go into the other steps of change. You know what? The last thing, though, is if you have never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior, Everything I talked about will not make any sense, nor will it fulfill you until you answer the very thing that God planted in your heart when, you, when he allowed you to be created. If I don't answer the eternal question, I'll never have satisfaction in this life. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus to be your Savior, then that's God's invitation for you this morning. He would love nothing more than to redirect your life to the very thing that's going to give you joy peace, happiness, eternity. So can we bow our heads for just a moment? <clears throat> Father God, I want to thank you this morning for your power and your presence, God. 
I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving through this room. You are stirring hearts. You're stirring minds, God. You're creating contentment and discontentment and restlessness, God, because of the question at hand, Lord. Where are we living? What is that eternal thing that needs to be answered in my heart, God? And so right now, in the name of Jesus, God, if there's one person in this room that has never, ever got the question right, have I invited Jesus into my life to be my Savior, God? I pray right now where they're sitting that they would pray this prayer with me and just simply say, Dear Jesus, today is the day that I encounter you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe on the third day you rose from the grave that death could not hold you. That's what the Bible tells me, God. And I believe it. And by faith this morning, Jesus, I surrender my life so that I can have your life, eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my heart, coming into my life, and changing me, making me into a new creation, God. The old ways are gone and all things become new. God, that's what I desire. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? If you prayed that prayer in any semblance of that this morning, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you would just like to give thanks to God for that, would you just slip your hand up real quick, say thank you, God, and then put it back down. Just real quick. Thank you, God. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Now, for the rest of us, if you're ready to take a faith step, to step into a group, to step into becoming a volunteer here at the Bridge Church, if you're really ready to take that step this week or next week, would you just raise your hand and say, God, I am in. Just raise it up high. Don't be ashamed. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise it up. There you go. There you go. There you go. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for the way you're moving in this room. I thank you, God, that you called us to make a difference by being different, God. And Lord, as we leave the room and we make our forgetful list, Lord, may we be honest with ourselves. As we leave the room, God, may you just direct us to that group we need to be in next week. God, that you direct us to that opportunity to use those gifts that you've given me, Lord. And Lord, may I live my life with eternity on my hearts as the Holy Spirit directs me to every conversation. God, I praise you for five years of work here in Bluffton, God. I praise you for every life that's been given to Jesus. I praise you for every baptism that's happened. I praise you for every prayer that's been lifted up, God. Everything that's been given out in the name of Jesus to help somebody who's hungry, to help somebody that's in need. Everything that's happened in those marriages that have been reconciled, God. We give you all the glory for that, God. It is not about us. It's about you, God. But thank you for letting us be a part of your story. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. That's his last song of worship. We're going to praise him for the promises he's made and for the promises that he's kept for the promises that he will keep. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.